Let's get geared up for startup success. Join Josh as he interviews knowledgeable guests from all corners of the entrepreneurial world and gets the answers to the questions you've been asking. Get ready to learn something new on this episode of From Idea to Done. Hey, everyone. On this episode, we have our good friend, Patrick. Patrick, welcome. Well, thanks for having me. So you've got a little uh, consultancy. I shouldn't say little. You've got a consultancy in the nonprofit space. Tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Uh, it's uh, Do Good Better Consulting. And I uh, work with uh, nonprofits to help them suck less at fundraising. And uh, yes, it's kind of a boutique shop, uh, really uh, focusing on small and medium-sized nonprofits and trying to figure out you know, uh, or answering the question on uh, what the hell do they do first? You know, a lot of these nonprofit leaders get um, roped in or they sign up for, you know, trying to, to make the world a better place. And they end up with, okay, now you need to fundraise a lot. And, and everybody, nearly everybody I know in the nonprofit space is an accidental fundraiser. And there's not really a good answer on a step-by-step process or what on earth do you do first in order to juggle the 10,000 things that they're doing every single day when they have one or two people uh, who are trying to manage a, uh, a whole nonprofit doing programming and fundraising and marketing all at once. And and that's been uh, the real joy in my life is starting this place and, and sort of helping in that space. Well, that's awesome. That, that parallels a lot of the entrepreneurs we work with. Uh, they've got a passion for something right. and they jump out and realize, oh, shoot, now I've got payroll and marketing <laughs> and all this other operational stuff that I never thought right. was going to be a thing. So um, you said you work with small and, and medium uh, nonprofits. Quantify that a little bit. What, is that, what does that look like? Most likely, uh, if you're raising less than a million dollars a year, you probably qualify as a small, medium-sized nonprofit. So, I, and, you know, so less than a million dollars raised, maybe two to five total people at the, at the nonprofit itself, not including maybe program, you know, uh, individuals or mm-hmm. volunteers or that kind of thing. But, you know, people in the office who are running the show okay. is kind of my small, medium-sized definition. Okay. Yeah. Give a little background for, for Patrick. How did, how did, uh, how did your consultancy come to be? Sure. Well, I've been, uh, I've been in the space basically my, my entire career. I, out of college, I started working at my old high school doing alumni and, and fundraising events thing. I was a politics major, so I um, was, was clearly unemployed after graduation. <laughs> they don't tell you that uh, in college. Thanks. Uh, and I got a call, and they said, hey, we're looking for somebody who has you know, the, the personality to go out and meet with people who are um, sort of alumni. And I said, sign me up. i got nothing better to do. That sounds nope. great. And I got the bug. I got to learn about you know, sort of uh, you know, mailings and, and sort of bulk mailing appeals and that kind of stuff. Um, I ran their uh, their weddings. I, they have a chapel in my old high school, and so I got to learn special events right out of the gate. And uh, and after that, I went to the uh, Cystic Fibrosis Foundation uh, out of the Minneapolis area and ran the uh, Dakotas and Minnesota fundraising okay. for you know uh, walks and, and galas and that kind of thing and major gifts. And that's where I kind of really got the fundraising bug uh, forever. And how, how, how does a high school have a, a wedding chapel? Well, when you're a private Catholic, uh, you know, high school okay. like mine, yeah, you okay. got one. It's okay. a 1934 Gothic building that has a Sisters of Notre Dame chapel in the middle of it. And it's, uh, I got married there, so okay. I used my own uh, my own place of employment as a good <laughs> venue. At, um, and so, yeah, you you 
but, th- but that got me into the school fundraising. So you got this sort of little background for schooling. And then I was in this national organization of the Twin Cities helping kids and their families raise money to, to find a cure for cystic fibrosis. So you get this national perspective, not just this local uh, thing. And then I moved to uh, North Dakota because my wife is here. And I was recruited out to work at the Ann Carlson Center uh, out of Jamestown, North Dakota, where I was their CBO for about five years. And that was... You learn about capital projects, and then you learn massive, you know, sort of structure on how the nonprofit works. And I took all of this information and was kind of asked by, you know, some of the local foundations here to do some uh, coaching for some smaller nonprofits. And the moment where you have that light bulb moment across the table or the coffee shop where they go, oh, that's how you do this? That was the most addictive drug I have ever (laughs) had in my entire life. And I was like, there's got to be a a business model for something like this. And either somebody had tried it and failed miserably, uh, or there wasn't anybody in the space to help these small uh, or medium-sized nonprofits figure this stuff out. And that was kind of the, the, the background that led me to the experience that allowed me to have conversations with these type of organizations and give them clarity. Man, that was... That was kind of my light bulb moment, having other people's light bulb moments happen. Mm-hmm. And that was where the kind of the passion from it came from. So really, it's I'm, I'm passionate about, you know, whatever my nonprofit's raising money for. Mm-hmm. I, I may have dipped my toe into the water for fundraising sure. or operations or something in the past, but um, you're really there to help them unblock the asking for money. I mean, as Midwesterners, yes. uh, it's never an easy thing to say, give me money for my thing. <laughs> No. Um, what What have you kind of learned along the journey that's that that stood out to you? Right. Well, um, it, it's it's un it's unsticking yourself from doing right. So we, uh, you know, it's really easy to talk about all these amazing goals that you have and these plans and the way you're going to ask somebody, and then when you get the opportunity to pick up the phone and ask for a meeting or sit across from somebody and make that ask. Um, everybody freezes up Mm -hmm. because they don't think that they know enough to be an expert or answer the questions. And that hesitation, you know, clams them up right away. You probably know this too, you know, as a a business owner where you're maybe asking for capital or maybe asking for an investment or maybe even going into a, a meeting where you're trying to pitch a product and you get that moment of hesitation. Do I really know what the hell I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Or do I really have all the solutions for them? And when you're a small nonprofit and you're you're talking about large gifts or even small gifts, um, there is this thing in the back of your brain. So, do I even deserve this? Do I am I even the right qualified person? And it, it, what I've learned the most is everybody knows exactly what you 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 know more than everybody else. Everybody has that same hesitation, yeah. and then you just need to do it once to make sure that you aren't going to get punched in the face by somebody who uh, who you asked for money for, which has never happened in the history of things, <laughs> right? And once you don't get punched in the face, you go, oh, that wasn't too bad. And that once it wasn't too bad moment happens, the floodgates of potential and excitement uh, sort of get unblocked. And that's kind of the most exciting, I think, part that I've learned is if you can unstick them from that first moment to that first hesitation, you know, the, the, it's a watershed moment for a lot of these groups. It, it's something that's so easy when you get uncomfortable in those situations mm-hmm. to just talk and try to explain more, which I think does the opposite um, intention of, does this person really know what they're doing? Do they know what they're talking about? Yep. And it's, you know, Patrick, I brought you here today. We're doing a capital raise. We're trying to raise a million dollars. 
we would love if you and your organization can contribute. Mm-hmm. Is that something you're willing to do today? Right. And then shut up. Yeah. And then <laughs> and it's that and it's that moment of silence that is only two or three seconds that feels like an hour and a half yep. on the other end. And if you're trying to fill it with stuff, it sounds panicked. Yep. It sounds um, very uh, self-conscious. And um, that is the most difficult thing uh, to do. And I think part of that, the solution to some of that is just asking questions prior to that ask, right? Getting comfortable across the table from somebody, just getting to know them a little bit better. And that those are some of those little tips and tricks that you pick up after doing this for 20 years is that you end up, you know, trying to figure out what other, what are other people not doing or interacting with this person who's got the capacity to give. Well, mm-hmm. it's being curious. They've lost curiosity and they're just thinking about bottom line yeah. rather than relationship building. And so you're yeah. exactly right where it's just not talking. I, I say that as somebody who, <laughs> you know, podcasts and talks endlessly for a living. And I realize that it's kind of ironic, uh, but that's the power in pause. That's the power yeah. in, in, in just sitting back and not doing anything. I mean, even just as human beings to sit outside in a chair with not, music or an ipad or something like for some people that's that's terrifying torturous yeah we we had a uh, a retreat that i went to and it was 30 minutes of silence and you saw some of these entrepreneurs get up and they're pacing Mm -hmm. and they're like they're they're getting itchy like they don't know what to do Mm -hmm. and they came in and stopped it after 10 you know they put the 30 out there but just to see how people would would handle it Mm -hmm. and it was basically you don't do anything, and then for the next 10 minutes, you do a little something, mm-hmm. and the next 10 minutes, you do all, all the things. Yeah. And it was really interesting to get back together and see who was comfortable where. Because mm-hmm. some people are like, I've got to be doing all the things all the time. And a few people are like, it's actually kind of nice to not have my phone and just turn off a little bit. Anyway. That is, is really interesting because I, I feel like everybody who is a nonprofit fundraising executive has a bit of entrepreneurial you know, uh, schizophrenia the way that we all do anyway, mm-hmm. um, because they're constantly thinking of ways to raise money or ways to engage or what to do that's interesting and different. And their brain is always working. And, and so they're very relatable to me as an entrepreneur who is constantly thinking about stuff or whatever. So in real time in which I am coaching and training some of these individuals to pause I myself am trying to coach myself and understand how to pause too. And it's this wonderful um, uh, symbiotic relationship where I'm also learning from those who are doing really well in the field and how to apply their fundraising skills to my mm-hmm. own business skills. And it's really, yeah. it's an interesting journey. Well, I like what you shared about the relationship side of it of, you know, in some ways that's, that's sales mm-hmm. is that you need to be relatable. You need to know what have they tried before? What haven't they mm-hmm. You know, in your world, who do you donate to or just trying to get that backstory of who they are? Because if you're out there, I'm assuming, you know, fundraising for a certain cause and they donated to something similar in the past. Is that easier? Is that more difficult? Like, I'm sure it depends. But um, I was told by a mentor once and, and the best saying and the best thing to live by as a fundraiser, which I share with everybody I possibly can, because it's just a great bit which is you never ask for a major gift unless you know the name of your donor's dog, Yeah. which means you're asking questions about things other than the size of their checkbook, which means you know things about them that are way more intimate than the average person trying to solicit uh, gifts. Yeah. And that goes exactly back to your, uh, your uh, statement about building 
for relationship as far as it's sales or business, it's the same thing. Because yeah. if you can't figure out the problem or if they're not aligned correctly, you're wasting your time. Yeah. You, they might give to something similar. You're 100% right. But they might not be giving to you because they just don't have a connection or they're not interested. And that's okay. And then understanding that it's okay for people not to want to give to your organization. And then how can you connect them with somebody else who they might get aligned with? Because then they're going to tell their friends about you yep. who align them with something else because it's a relationship. Yep. That's, that's a little something we've done with our podcast guests is that we'll, you know, after we, we close on the podcast, I'll ask you, who are two people that you think should come on the show? Mm-hmm. And um, it works really good when you've got people that you don't know. Now you're kind of getting into their networks yeah. and their networks. Yeah. Um, and all it takes is just that simple little ask. Um, and maybe an email introduction because then it's Patrick's introducing Josh, one of Patrick's friends. Okay, now if Patrick trusts Josh, now I've got you know that that relationship through Patrick that goes a long ways versus a cold call or a email or 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 something. I I remember I um, used to get calls from my college for for money. Yep. yep. And it was almost like clockwork on the year every year at the same time. <laughs> yep. The college would call, and finally I just got tired of it, and I said, you guys realize that you threw me out of grad school, right? Didn't get phone calls from them for the rest of eternity. So, um, yeah, it, fun fact. It, first, first of all, I I, uh, I got kicked off campus my senior year, so I told them the same <laughs> thing. So you and I have a very similar story in that, uh, in that thing. But what you said is really interesting, too, about sort of setting the table up for other people to be associated with your business or your organization. Mm-hmm. And we talk about this all the time, both on the podcast and in the trainings we do with our, um, with our groups, is that third-party endorsements is exponentially more important than first-party solicitation because yep. you will – find credibility in other people talking positively about you. And that's really where the magic is because then it's not sales. It's no, there's, you're not selling anything. You're just talking and they want to be associated by you uh, with you by somebody else's association. And that's where the power I think in entrepreneurs, um, they, they get that I think more than everybody Mm -hmm. because they understand that their, their reputation or, their um, you know, suggestions by others is going to hold a lot more water than them just cold out and cold pitch because it's expected for you to come out and yeah. go like, "Hey, we got a website we need to build for you because yeah. we're the ex- website yeah. experts." It's unexpected for me to go. You know who is better than everybody else's website building and, and sort of app design correlation? The boys over there, they're better than everybody else. Yep. That's unexpected. You don't expect that. You're not paying me. You're not. You're not expecting that for me. And then other people are going to go. Well, that's interesting. I gotta go check them out because they nope. trust me. They trust my opinions. It's the same way that you go on Amazon and you go, "Who's got a five star review?" You're trusting morons on the internet more than you are, uh, you know. Somebody. So, of course, we're gonna always have that third party um, mentality for sure. Yeah, no, that's 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 a that's a good point to make. Is that you trying to sell into something cold or someone doesn't know you? Is impossible. I mean, that's my LinkedIn message board right now. Dear sir or madam, or they get my email from somewhere. And it's like, I don't know who's selling these program, these sales programs that tell you to do that. Of just go um, farm LinkedIn sales navigator and just spit out as many as you can. Like, it doesn't work. I've never actually heard of anybody who has gotten one of those messages. Go, you know what? That was the greatest relationship I've ever had in my life. Nobody. Everybody hates it. Yep. Everybody. 
and you're, you're part of the problem too if you're that's how you're you're building sales why aren't you uh suggesting hey how can i help you get connected with somebody hey i've got a great thing you know and here's i think it's lazy number one mm-hmm. right so it's easy to just spam everybody it's very difficult to concentrate on focusing for a second and then maybe doing a little bit of digging and research and like oh hmm maybe this would work or maybe this would work with somebody else better. That takes a little mm-hmm. bit of effort. And I think that's really where phew, say, oh, the LinkedIn, I'm going to think about that all day. I don't want to open my LinkedIn today. <laughs> I just had a birthday and every, every business development person that I'm connected with gave me a happy birthday, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it's, and even when I do get those genuine, like, Hey, I saw this review from somebody that left it. That seems cool. I'd love to connect. Like you're a salesperson, like it just doesn't feel authentic anymore. Right. I, I think sales has ruined that for a lot of people. So it's, so. Um, you know, it's coming up with ways that you can be authentic and, you know, give something first without an ask. Because even if it is, can I borrow 15 minutes of your time? That's a big ask. Right. Because if, if I said yes to everybody that did that, I'd just be busy having meetings that I don't know what I'm going to. Correct. Yeah. And what I always like the idea of giving everything that you know away. Because I think that attracts the right people and the better clients anyway. Yep. And, and and that was that Gary Vee thing that he did a number of years ago. That was his big you know, sort of coming out party was give everything away for free. 99% of the people who want that can't execute whatever they're doing yep. without your help in the first place. And if they like it, it's good content. It's passionate. It's authentic. It's awesome. It's, an, it, you know, it's exciting. They're going to follow you. And you don't need everybody too. That's the other yep. thing that I think we... As salespeople, and I get into this trap all the time, I said, well, I want to be everything to everybody. I'm not. Yeah. You know, pick your lane and get your niche and and find out what really works and what you're really good at. And then go and grab that tribe. It's hard, you know, because you see this giant, you know, forest. Mm-hmm. You, know, you should be concentrating on chopping down this one tree to get out of your <laughs> way, right? And uh, I think that's the, the hard part as that entrepreneur brain we just talked about where if I only, or oh boy, this would be really kind of awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I remember there was one time that somebody came in that wasn't a good fit for us, and we went to another agency that we, we know fairly well in town and said, here's a lead for you. Right. And we got treated almost like that was a Trojan horse attack, of like, why are you doing this? Crazy. It was like, because you're a better fit for them than we are. And mm-hmm. I just, I think it's that mentality yeah. of, there's abundance out there. There's enough of work for everybody. There's enough donors for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need to cannibalize, you know, the the big name people in your community because nope. they get hit up all the time. Right. That's exactly right. No, that that's, that's such a great, the, the abundance mindset thing I think can happen both in business and in the nonprofit world. And, um, and I think we get, I just think there's a hesitation of like, this can't be, this can't be true yeah. or this can't, this is too good to be true. Well, if you if you look back at what you know, Codelation itself as or you personally as yourself, your personal brand, your business brand, stands out better than most people. Like, just trust that as a as a brand thing. Like, mm-hmm. There's no, nothing nefarious coming about that. You just know authentically you can't be you can't do that or you don't. It doesn't work. That's where I think can if you're a nonprofit or you're a nonprofit leader, you really change the game by embracing that uh, sort of difference maker or the mm-hmm. ones that you're a connector or the ones that you're celebrating a win of another organization. Yes, you're going to get eyeballs from their donors celebrating wins in the community, but you're also setting yourself up for like, hey, you were a big cheerleader in the community. You're a big, 
you know, uh, you're everybody wants to be associated with you because you're a, a lifter upper of yeah. all those other people. And that's, I think that makes you stand out in a very crowded space online mm-hmm. or in marketing in general as better than everybody else. Yeah. I mean, it's genuine and authentic and there's no, there's no motive behind it for us celebrating someone else's win other than, you know, whether that's our tech ecosystem mm-hmm. of entrepreneurs or it's locally here in the FM area. Yes. Like, we just want to see things better for everybody, right? Um, and and celebrate it, yep. and make it make it something that's, that's core to your 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 mission and your message and all those things. Absolutely, so, yep, hundred percent, love that. So, you talked a little bit about you saw a hole in the in this in the market for the small and medium nonprofits mm-hmm. to um, stop sucking at fundraising. Yes. What what do you think is kind of your unique selling point? What helps keep you differentiated for the next firm that wants to come into the space or a right. bigger firm that wants to kind of come downstream mm. towards what you're doing? Uh, well, I think part of it is, well, part of it's proof of concept, right? I mean, mm-hmm. part of it is I have, I've ne- I rarely say no to a meeting. I know we just talked about that. Not not in a meeting in the like, hey, I'd like to pick your brain stuff, yep. but it's like, hey, I've got a question about something. I try to answer every single thing that comes into my inbox. I make space for it purposely. Yep. I um, I give enthusiastic responses to everybody. And if I can't figure it out, I will get you to somebody who does all the time, mm-hmm. every time, all the time. And I have made that a business cornerstone on, on why people approach me or I will have something for them that I built that, that might help them. If I can't spare the time or I can't do this, I can lead them to something that we've done that might help them out. So um, it, without with any, like, there's no strings attached to it. No. That's, the, that's the other thing. Um, I think there is a raw enthusiasm and ability to connect in a way that not some of the bigger, you know, consultancy shops that do either capital campaign stuff or they're very only giving day focused or they're event focused for one or two things. They don't have the capacity to move as quickly as we do. And they don't have the in the field experience that we've had over the last 20 years, because even in the consultancy role that I have, I'm boots on the ground developing some of the talking points that they're having. I'm going through their donor database with them. I'm in mm-hmm. the meetings talking about getting dirty, hands dirty with the, with the process. And if you don't do that, you sound like you're philosophical rather than practical. Yeah. And I will always be practical more than philosophical. I will always uh, give you something to do rather than like, theoretically speaking, I think you should do this according to this book. We don't go with other people's sort of like, um, hey, here's a 180-page a uh, research paper on why this is going to be working. This works, do this. Yeah. Always the quick route. And I think to a small or a medium-sized nonprofit that doesn't have the time, talent, or energy to go and comb through millions of research papers or hours and hours and hours of training, they just want an answer and I refuse to not give them an answer because mm-hmm. that's what makes me and our our squad way different than everybody else. It's it's practical, like you said, boots on the ground, yeah. real world yes. experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when you are when you're frustrated because you don't know what to do next, being told to figure it out yourself or hey, why don't you read up on this? is not something that you're interested in doing. And it frustrates you more because all you're looking for is a simple answer. Yep. And that that I think is the, the really the main 
difference is, hey, what do I do first? Hey, do you have a list? No, I don't. Then that's the first thing you do. Build a list. And this is what you build it for. Oh, thanks so much. Move on. Right? It doesn't take you a lot of time as an entrepreneur or as somebody who's in the consulting role too. It, it, you know the answer and it takes you four seconds to, to do that. And I found that the value add that I can give the community in which I'm working with, um, giving an answer right away is the, is the best ROI I can, I can mm-hmm. do because it's proving that I am, that I care about your organization, regardless of how big you are yeah. and, uh, and that I've got some worth behind it. And here's the reasoning why it works. I found too with the here's the simple approach to it is also like time blocking it. Of, mm. All right, you got to get this done by this time if you want to keep on track for your, yeah. your big goal, right? I want to no. lose 50 pounds. I got to lose two pounds this week. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. what do I need to be doing to do that? I need four workouts in and I need to meal prep for all seven days. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keep focused on the very, you know, the baby. Uh, what was the Bill Murray movie? The Baby right. Steps. Yep. Baby Step Down the Hall. Yeah. Baby Step Down the Yeah. Uh, it, th- that's such a great point too. And I think benchmarking attainable goals right away, then, faci- then you, you get them to do bigger ones down the road and, mm-hmm. and the, the, the wrong approach, which is some of the bigger shops is here's what you need to do. And they throw you the playbook. Mm-mm. Here's the first two things you need to yeah. do. And you can do this because it's only going to take you 45 minutes or 90 minutes to do. And then check that off, pat yourself on the back. Celebrate that as a win. Yep. Now, phase two is this. That 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 I think is some of the best advice if you're if you're a business and you're trying to get somebody to help figure out or solve a problem, which is essentially kind of what we're you know we started a business because we found that niche that we mm-hmm. needed to solve a problem with. Help them solve the damn problem. Yep. That's why that's how you do it, and do it in a way that they can understand because they are absolutely lost. And I always put myself back in the in, in the brain like, or the mindset of. When I was in a leadership role at a nonprofit and I was lost, what would I want, right? And I think that's the experience that is uh, another piece of differential. Like, like that's that's another the difference. That you know, you're not going to school for four years for something. I just need an answer now. No. Okay, I'll help you. No problem. <clears throat> I've one one entrepreneur that that we've um, consulted with a little bit pops into my head, and I'm sure there's other ones that are very similar, but it, it would be questions like, well, should I go sell or should I market this thing? It was like, everything works. <laughs> everything works. Yep. It's just, what do you want to be doing? Yeah. Cold calling still works. Mm-hmm. Horrible spammy people on email still works, mm-hmm. right? How do you want to get your donors? How do you want to get your customers? Right. Find the thing that sits good mm-hmm. in your spirit because if it's something to where you, if you said, you know, Josh, you need to go cold call 200 people today to achieve your goal, like, I'm probably going to stop talking to you. Right. You know? <laughs> well, that's, that goes back to the question, the, the thing that we were talking about earlier. Ask some questions. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're doing, if you know, uh, if somebody's asking you, a, a, you know, sort of this philosophical question of what to do next, asking a couple of really good questions, the same way that you would engage in a donor or a potential business uh, partner or a, a sales ask a couple of questions that might open up the floodgates to them going, Oh, Oh, the answer's right there in front mm-hmm. of my face. Uh, I, I struggle with this all the time is, is I'm looking at a big picture problem, right? So we're going to launch something here in the next couple of months at, at, on the business. I'm so preoccupied occasionally with how, what that looks like that I'm not 
looking at my baby steps now that's going to get me to mm-hmm. those things. I always need to be brought back to reality, either by staff or by coaches or whatever that is, to go back, right. oh, what are you doing now? What are the things you can do right now to mark off your list? And again, I'm like you. I have no interest in the 200 cold calls a day <laughs> kind of bit. There are people who really, uh, really do well at that. Yep. I'd much rather build 200 really good relationships and then go yep. and build that. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I think of it too, like, I've had a business coach for a few years and there's still some stuff that I'm stuck on. Right. Like I mentally know what I need to do. Yeah. I've been there, mm-hmm. you know, whether again, that's weight loss or whatever else. Yeah. So it's like, I, I started going to somebody for uh, meditation and hypnotherapy. Like I just need to find a way to get this thing unstuck so I can take the next step. Yeah. And it's frustrating when you, you know, mm-hmm. you know what it feels like, or you know that you can do that thing. And then you go read a blog article um, on the bump on your arm and now you got cancer and you're right. going to die. You know, yep. there's too much information out there on the mm-hmm. internet. Um, yeah, I just, I think having that really actionable step one, put on the blinders, don't care about anything else is, is really, really important. Oh, I got it. First of all, I feel seen. That's, that's, uh, that is, I, I think about that all the time. I know exactly. I've got a to-do list sitting mm-hmm. on my desktop right now. And there are three things at the top of the list that I have not done and been done for a week. Everything below those three things, done or getting done. The my life would be so much easier if I just spent an hour getting those first three things done. I'm not going to do it no. because that's the that's my block. My block is if I get that done, now what happens? Or I, I'm thinking about the twelve things that happen after I get those three things yeah. done, and that is something that I think all entrepreneurs look at and relate to, and in like visceral way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's almost the well. I don't want to become too successful, so I'm not going to do those things. Yeah, or I'm not going to market, or I'm not going to whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, mm-hmm. I picked this up from somewhere. I can't remember what it was, but it's basically a index card, and you've got one big block in your card that you need to get done today. Mm-hmm. Two or three medium size, and like four or five small things. You know, reply to an email, and there's there's something very tangible to like striking through that with a pen and mm-hmm. saying I got this done. Mm-hmm. Or to look at that and say, you know what, my after I'm getting pegged for meetings this afternoon. I don't have my big thing done. That's going to move me closer to my quarterly goal. You know, like yep. how how can you step back and focus on those priority things? I'm as guilty of it as yes, ever. Sir. Like I had about two hours this afternoon that was open work time, and all of a sudden, meeting, meeting, yep. meeting, meeting. It's like okay, there went my week, so I guess I'm working this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I have been so bad at that. Um, I've been trying to, get, I've been trying to get better. And actually, I tell other people that that is my weak point, so especially in the office. Mm-hmm. I am very weak at this. I will say yes to these meetings. I need you to help me say no to these or get them off of my plate. Oh. I have um, very first number of years as a, as a business owner. I didn't have that as a resource. I didn't have those people who would um, who would say no to me. A lot of cheerleaders, a lot of, yeah, you go, boy, let's go, and this is going to be great. I think what I've learned is to get people who are not critical, but helpful in yep. the way that they see my deficits or hiring people that are going to, you know, compliment my weakness as a entrepreneur yep. and help out that way. And that has been probably the most revolutionary uh, benefit uh, that I've found as an entrepreneur is just to unblock myself by hiring or in associating with other people who understand that that is my, that's my, ugh, my downfall. What's that's EQ. Yes. Um, I, I've never quite got the work on where you're weak. Like just put me where I'm strong. Yeah. 
and stop me doing all the other stuff. Yes. And it's like, I, I enjoy sales. I enjoy sales because it's relational. We mm -hmm. built a brand that it's easy for people to come to us yes. because then it's just a conversation. Right. I hate pricing. I hate timelines. Yes. yes. I'm going to promise it to you in two days. <laughs> I'm going to ask for me to pay you to build a thing Correct. for you. Yep. And so, you know, when we go into the sales meetings, it's like, Josh, you should probably just not talk. Mm -hmm. I said, maybe I shouldn't even be in this meeting. Like right. you guys got this. Right. And guess what's happened? Mm -hmm. We have better client expectations right. and they're paying what they should. Right. Um, it's because I'm not, I, I want to give it away. I want to help people. Isn't that, isn't that ironic though? Because we start businesses because we're passionate about what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And, and I, you might be like me, I would do this for free. If I was just guaranteed a salary and I didn't have to worry about anything else, I would honestly do this for free. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have to worry about bills or anything, I would, I would give everything away. I would do every, I would go to every meeting and just do this yeah. because that, but again, that's our zone of genius. Mm -hmm. That's why I think this works. And yeah, you're right. Hiring those people who can just help unstuck unstick you mm -hmm. um, by taking that off your plate. I still get weirded out by somebody in the office going, hey, can I take that off your plate? No, I'm offended by it. And I'm like, no, 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 that's mine. They're like, we know you're not going to get that done. Yep. And then I give it away and it's done. And I'm like, oh, that was easy. And yet I know it works, right? Mentally, yep. I know they're going to do a better job than I would. They'll do it in the time frame in which it's done. And yet I want to have it on my to-do list. Why is it? Why are we like this? I think we need a support group. We do need a support group. I, we, we brought on a bookkeeper recently and there's a request where it's like, I know I'm not going to do this. Like it was a, a financy operations thing that right. was extremely low on my want to care about, but it's like it needed to get done. Yeah. Compliance issue. Yeah. And I had just, um, shared with leadership. I'm like, I sent an email to the bookkeeper and they're, they're going to take care of it. And I see on the zoom call, Laura and Eric, like fist pumping, like, yay, he actually did something. Yes. <clears throat> to get something off of his plate. <laughs> and I was like, you guys can have all the stuff. Like, I want nothing. Yeah. I want none of it. I just want to focus, like you said, in the zone of genius. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so Someday. <clears throat> someday. <laughs> well, tell us tell us just a little bit about um, kind of what's next Yeah. for, for Patrick and team. Sure. Well, are we, um, we're kind of moving into a membership site, which is interesting. So, you know, we realize, again, this is kind of that self-awareness EQ kind of thing where um, the world, I'm only one person. And uh, when you spend a lot of time in different circles and the brand kind of gets a little bit bigger that I realize I can't be everywhere to everybody and that I'm not helpful in that way. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to make sure, well, how do we keep the spirit of Do Good Better alive, which is trying to give as much information away as possible at a very low entry rate? Because, again, we don't like talking about price. <laughs> um, how do I do this? And we decided that a membership site was probably our best route to go, right? So we're coming up on five years as a, as a company. We're going to celebrate those five years by uh, rolling out a membership site where people get access to everything that we have done in the last five years, all the templates, tips, tricks, trainings, uh, webinars, all the stuff, the podcast, the after the podcast, guest expert trainings, everything yeah. behind a uh, behind a membership site where I can come in once a week and do an Ask Me Anything. Yep. I can bring in my friends that I've met over the last four or five years that are experts across the globe who are better at things than I am about major gifts and that kind of stuff. And we're going to welcome everybody 
to that whole site and it's going to be amazing and our launch is in september and we are absolutely stoked about it it's going to be fun awesome where can yeah. they find out more about the, the community and the membership sure they can go to dogoodbetterconsulting.com or you can go directly to the site which is do good university y-o-u university and um, that's where we're sort of launching and building and and creating and making this really a good experience that you have a not only a community of people who just know how to help and, and answer questions, uh, but a great resource site for everybody at whatever level that you are, whether it's entry level uh, fundraiser or expert that just needs a little bit of extra TLC uh, and access and they don't have to search the internet for it. Awesome, thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. You're the best, my friend. <laughs> I love chatting uh, nerd talk, entrepreneur stuff with you. Awesome. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of From Idea to Done. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it, and we'll catch you in the next episode.